Hello, you're listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and this is uh, Lesson 8, which is on the Beatitude, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Last time, we looked at the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says, for they will see God. That purity of heart is motivation. And yet, we have to want to see God. It's not enough to mean well, but to have conflicting agendas. Deliberate ignorance or deliberate sin prevents that from happening just as dust in the atmosphere makes it impossible uh, to see the stars, to see the sky. We also learn that when we focus on Jesus, we become more like him. We look forward to seeing him as he is, and that's so inspiring that it helps us to desire that transformation. And so we don't make ourselves pure. God purifies us, and he does that uh, through the contemplation of Jesus Christ. That's why we must focus on him. I was reading a magazine with a great article on, well, it was actually called Blessed are the Peacemakers Living as Children of God. And I love the way the author put this. It really resonated with me. Listen to what she says. If most of us are honest with ourselves, we know that there are many ways in which our hearts are not at peace. We are wounded, insecure, resentful, and lonely, and this restlessness within us causes us to anxiously defend our actions and opinions, to control others, and to seek after their love and praise at all costs. Isn't that great? You know, it's what's going on inside our hearts that causes us to behave in ways that are, well, let's say they don't make peace. So there's that connection between inner peace and peace um, between one person and another. Now, this beatitude is not primarily focused on personal peace, peace in our hearts, but they are connected. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And to make peace is something active. It's to pacify, well, literally. You know, when the early Christians translated the Greek into Latin, because more and more Christians in the Roman Empire were speaking Latin, the word for the peacemakers is, it's actually just one word, pacifici or pacifici, peacemakers. Beati pacifici quonium filii de vocabuntur. It's a very similar and active word in the original Greek, makaria hoi erenopoioi, peacemakers. It's active, not passive. Yes, the early church was pacifists. They didn't hold office. They weren't involved in government. They never killed their enemies. They were unanimously pacifist, in fact, for the first three centuries. They understood that fear and anger and greed in the human heart are the causes of war, and they refused to use violence. They followed the example of Christ. Yet, again, I emphasize biblical pacifism is not pacifism. It's not nonchalant, aloof, and uninvolved. It means we care about peace. We care about the world. In the mid-2nd century, Justin Martyr, a philosopher who had become a Christian, uh, said this to the Roman emperor, More than all other men, we, we Christians, are your helpers and allies in promoting peace. Because Christians didn't use divisive rhetoric, they didn't curse their enemies, they prayed for them. They would not, never force, they tried to persuade based on the gospel. Well, we have, of course, uh, numerous examples of peacemakers in the Bible. I'm going to share a few of those very quickly and then make one qualification and then uh, a few 
uh, more points of application before we finish up for this morning. The first peacemaker I thought of was actually the old woman in the town of Abel Beth and that's in 2 Samuel 20. A real troublemaker has taken refuge there, and Joab, David's commander, comes, and the woman speaks to him from over the wall with her wise suggestion, which averts bloodshed, really saves the day. Uh, the apostles are peacemakers. Look how they deal with a, a divisive issue in Acts chapter 6 uh, with, with uh, ethnic or demographic overtones. They come up with a plan, and they entrust those who are invested, the stakeholders, to follow through on that plan. Or I thought of the Apostle James. Well, the Apostle James. Jesus' brother James. The Apostle was beheaded three chapters earlier. In Acts 15, we have the Jerusalem Council. Two sides present their thoughts. Everyone listens. Uh, James moderates. They come up with a compromise. But, you know, sometimes, even though you want peace, you're trying to do the right thing, uh, you'll be perceived quite differently. I thought of the time that Paul stood in front of Governor Felix. There was a lawyer, Tertullus, who was not a good guy. And he says about Paul, For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Well, no doubt Paul was controversial. There was a lot of disputing that went on when he was in town. But he was aiming for peace and unity. He was never trying to divide. We're not actively seeking a quarrel if we're Christians. We don't want to behave insensitively or sow seeds of dissension. There's no pleasure in controversy. Mature Christians don't delight in proving others wrong. There's no triumphalist spirit. But even so, even if we do our best, just like Jesus, there'll be persecution. John 15, 18, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Paul gives some real words of wisdom in Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. all. Right, so we seek peace, we seek harmony. It's not always possible, but we do our best. Well, let's talk more about the application. We need to reject groups and rhetoric and politics that entail violence. Jesus was a true peacemaker. Put your sword back into its place. All who take the sword will perish by the sword, Matthew 26, 52. When leaders, Christian leaders, are behaving uh, egotistically or in ways that hurt Christian unity, maybe we need to speak up. You know, Jesus intervened when his own apostles were arrogant and jockeying for position. I'm thinking of Mark 10. Uh, Paul spoke up when Peter crossed the line, Galatians 2, 11. So there are times when we actually need to speak up if we see things going the wrong way. We also need to be comfortable with a certain level of disagreement. 1 Corinthians 1.10 is not calling for uniformity of thought so much as unity of heart. And we need to watch ourselves because peace is ruined when we insist on our own way or if we're arrogant. I love the way Chesterton put it. It is not bigotry to be certain we are right but it is bigotry to be unable to imagine how we might possibly have gone wrong. That's put really well. We can have conviction about God's word, and we can have a high degree of certainty, and yet still admit that we may not see things clearly. We may not be as objective as we would like to think. 
And that's the humility that needs to temper our conviction. Of course, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew talks a lot more about peacemaking. In fact, in this very chapter, Matthew 5, he talks about peacemaking when we're at the altar and we realize someone has something against us. We need to go back and do what we can to facilitate peace. I've had to do that a number of times in my Christian life, and probably you have too. Later in Matthew, Matthew 18, uh, he gives a process by which someone who sins against us can be approached and, and peace can be the result. And we do our best. But let's demonstrate the peace of Christ in our hearts and long to be peacemakers because they shall be called the children of God. Next time, it's the Beatitude on Persecution. Thank you for listening. God bless. that we might have thought we were following Christ, and at the end, it's all for naught. At the judgment day, again, in light of our sinfulness, our waywardness, we don't want to be asking God, deal justly with me. No, we want mercy. We want mercy. Well, our next beatitude in verse 8 is, uh, blessed are the pure in heart. We'll come to that tomorrow. But for day, today, just think about the fifth beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And in our interactions today, let's behave mercifully. Let's forgive debts. Let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's be kind. Let's think before we speak. Let's be like Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast.